Hello, and welcome to the Fighting for Connection podcast. I'm Brett Nicola, a husband, father, and fun lover. Listen in as I share stories, tips, and inspiration that will move you toward the connection that you want in your relationship. Alright, welcome back to the Fighting for Connection podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about attachment styles. And the more I've done this work, the work that I do, the more that I believe relationships are a primary source of pain in our lives. I've seen it over and over and over again that people who are experiencing some of the most pain uh, that come into my office it's it's really from relationships and the lack of relationships and the loss of relationships and the things that are going on in the relationships in their lives. No doubt, relationships bring joy, contentment, and pleasure, and so much good as well. But they have this, there's this dualistic uh, thing that happens within relationships where they are both the source of of so much good and they are the source of so much pain. And these dual feelings are equally tied to our longing for secure attachment. Now, attachment theory, it's a theory that is largely accredited to the research done by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And uh, I guess if, if relationships interest you at all, I would suggest that you simply Google their name and um, you will receive a plethora of things to dig through and learn from and uh, videos and articles and research. Uh, if you want to you know, read scholarly journal uh, articles about attachment, it's all there. Uh, and there's, there's so much uh, behind this theory and this idea that I think um, as I have uh, studied it and I've learned about it. It's made so much sense to me. And uh, I've really attached, no pun intended, to this theory as a way to understand relationships. And as I thought about this, uh, about this topic, you know, I, I wonder like, what would be the most helpful for you, the listener, to know about attachment styles? And, uh, you know, I, I could have given you like a very scholarly lecture on this. Uh, but there, there's so many lectures and uh, information and articles and things online kind of just at the tip of your your Google search. Uh, you know, a quick Google search can provide a lot of in-depth information, well thought out, well structured uh, on attachment itself uh, that I thought, you know what, I would encourage you just to, if you're interested in it and that kind of stuff, go and find that stuff, read on it. It's all there for you. It's not hard to find. Uh, and because of that ability and that, uh, accessibility to that information, I thought, uh, I'm just going to share my own words, how I see attachment working and affecting us in our relationships. Whenever I think of attachment, my thoughts always seem to go to like a little infant. Um, for me, it's, it's so easy to picture how attachment works through this idea or this picture of an infant. And I guess for me, I've been fortunate enough, uh, as many of you know, I'm sure, to have experienced the birth of, of my six kiddos. And uh, 
I think I've mentioned it here on, on a recent past episode that we're expecting our seventh in January, mid January. And, uh, we had our ultrasound a week or two ago and it was confirmed that, uh, it looks to be a boy and we're excited. We're excited to have this new little one in our life. I think, um, my wife is about 23 weeks along and, uh, we're beginning to see, uh, and have the visual confirmation that there's a little baby there in, in the womb. And um, we, Kelsey and I, will find ourselves patting her belly and discussing what this little newborn baby boy will be like. And uh, I can feel the bond, you know, the attachment that we're forming to him already. We're excited to meet him. Uh and uh, yeah, I think he's he's happy and content to stay where he is. Uh, he's in that womb and that warm, safe, uh, cozy space that is uh, that is there within Kelsey. And uh, with a healthy pregnancy, he's receiving all that he needs directly from her. He's snuggled safely, securely within his mother and it's a good good place for him to be right now but as we know a a shift happens the baby and the mother's body in kind of this amazing union move into active labor uh the child is is moved from the secure home this place within the womb into a world of confusion and as that child leaves the womb immediately it begins to communicate right? We see this little infant longs for that closeness and comfort that it had for, uh, you know, those nine months that it was in the womb. And, and, uh, I would say every one of my babies, as they've been, uh, as they've been delivered into this world, uh, they've cried out, right? And what I've watched and what I've witnessed, uh, is, is the mother responding. Uh, and this, this kind of dance between the mother and child is, is fascinating for me to watch. My wife, who is tired from the work and the pain of birth, is so quickly moved into action, uh, pulling that child close into her chest and tucking them in and creating as much of a comforting, safe, and secure environment for that child as she possibly can. And, and so begins a lifelong dance between that mother and child of this child expressing its longing for comfort and its ability or lack thereof, its, its inability to receive the care and comfort that it's longing for. And this confusion really defines what life is. Uh, it, it's, it's alive even between the newborn child and the mother, uh, with our children, Kelsey and I have had these kind of moments, as I'm sure any parent who who has has kids, I guess parents have kids, have had, uh, where our little baby was in distress. Uh, it was uncomfortable. It was crying out for care. And at a loss, Kelsey and I have, have bounced and rocked and held and fed and changed and Padded and sanged and cooed, soothed. We've Googled, you know, what do we do for this child? 
We've called other people. We've asked other people for help and advice. Uh, sometimes we've been left crying ourselves, uh, you know, wondering how to help this little child and and uh, then started at the beginning and repeated it all over again until we found uh, or until that little baby found the comfort that it needed. This is different. You know, this is different for this young baby than what it had for those nine months in the womb. There within the womb, there was this this harmony between bodies, this child and the mother uh, had had such a perfect kind of union through you know through the umbilical cord and in the womb and uh, hormones and all these things that the mother's body knew just what that child's body needed and and now all of a sudden there's there's a physical disconnect and and a, an emotional disconnect as well uh, there's this inability for the caregiver to know exactly how to comfort this this young child. We, we try, we try so, uh, I would say so perfectly we try and so desperately we try and yet we, we miss because there's this, there's this new medium of, of distance, of space, of two bodies in the world that uh, creates an inability for us to know exactly how to care, what that, that other person needs, how that other person needs that care. And, and this really is life. And, um, and all of these interactions can shape the attachment style of this little one. Now, I, th- I guess here within a, whatever this will be a 20 to 30 minute podcast, you're going to get a really simplified idea of attachment. And, um, and I really believe that relationships are extremely complex. And maybe as I'm creating this podcast, I'm thinking here and, and I'm even fearing, um, that you mothers would shoulder some some guilt or misplaced blame. And I just want to say this, that so many mothers that I've worked with have expressed these types of worries and emotions uh, about their, their parenting and about their children. And the natural love and care that you have for your children is, is impossible to recreate. You are truly the best caregivers for your children. And uh, should your children be, be removed from you somehow, I really believe that uh, 99% of, of mothers are, are really in the best position to care for their kids. Uh, they, they have something um, that is, is, like I said, impossible to recreate, this natural bond that is there. And what I've found is sometimes you just aren't the best caregivers for yourselves. So just remember that you are so important to so many. And I think we all, I, I dare to say we all, your kids, your, your spouses, um, myself, other people, we all want you to get the care that you need. So back to this young, the picture of this young child and this constant back and forth uh, with the mother and father and primary caregivers. Uh, this child, through millions and millions of little interactions, forms a belief. And it's a belief that informs them of the safety and security that they receive uh, within that relationship. They, uh, they want to know that they can receive reassurance and that they are cared for. And, and there is a continuum of secure versus insecure attachment. And 
And these children end up somewhere on that continuum. Over a lifetime, we have experiences, you know, with our primary caregivers, with our siblings, with uh, our, you know, schoolmates, workmates, uh, our spouses, and all of these, uh, all of these situations have an impact on where we are in terms of secure versus uh, insecure attachment. And what John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth identified were four main attachment styles, uh, secure, anxious, avoidant, and insecure. And these attachment styles have to do with the child's perception of care, not necessarily the, the quality of care that the child received. So think about this. They, we can have a caring provider meeting all the basic needs of a child. Uh, the child can be in a safe environment, cared for. Uh, there is you know, no danger, but the child is looking for some specific comfort. And when they aren't able to receive that comfort, they can be left worrying that they aren't cared for. And this is the confusion of the world that is in play here. Uh, what the child is looking for is not easily understood, and the child can uh, have a loving and safe environment, but be left with this feeling of misunderstanding, of aloneness, and even of danger. And and what we find is insecure attachment brings on a feeling of danger. That's why when someone uh, has like a, an attachment uh, longing that isn't met in a relationship at any point in life, what we typically find is that they experience a flight, fight, freeze, or fawn response, which is a, a, a safety response, right? So uh, if we're in a fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, because there's some emotional need not met within our relationship, our brain perceives that as danger. We think, uh, and if we think of the danger of not being cared for, it can kind of make sense because this this belief is formed at a very young age that, uh oh, I'm not receiving the care and therefore there is danger. And at a young age, this is true uh, that, you know, if we don't have someone who can respond to our, our needs, if we aren't cared for, if we don't have a parent who looks fondly upon us, loves us, cares about us, uh, is engaged with us, thinks highly of us, likes us, all of these things. There is a danger to that. Um, we, 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 as a child, uh, are we intuitively know that we are reliant on our caregivers. We know that they are literally the source of life. So, so we form bonds and a connection with our caregivers very quickly. Uh, we smile, we coo, we say "mama," "dada." Uh, we get our caregivers to smile and laugh at us to like us, right? And uh, we need our caregivers to like us as a matter of life and death. If our caregivers, think about this, if our caregivers reject us, we are in a real uh, place of danger as a young child. Now, society has kind of done a lot to protect the child, but let's say we go back 20,000 years where uh, you know a lot of our evolution has come from as we've learned uh, relationships through our, our, our life. Right there's this there's this real sense of like if our if our parents aren't into us don't care about us 
uh, don't like us, we could be at risk of death. Uh, so we've learned uh, through, through many iterations of life how to bond with our caregivers. Uh, and we become very perceptive to our caregiver and their bond to us. Uh, the older we get, the more complex and more uh, more data points we're kind of assessing as we're searching for this uh, safe bond. We look for it within our family and our friendships and eventually within our romantic relationships. We get into these relationships uh, with the same inner child that is searching for safety within their relationship, just like they were searching for uh, safety within the relationship of their primary caregivers, their mothers and fathers. They're wondering if they are wanted, right? They're fearing that they're not. They're longing for that close kind of uh, connection with with their their uh, primary attachment figure, which at one point was their was their mother, their father, and now it's their spouse. Uh, you know, almost in, in effect, longing for that womb. Uh, feeling alone, feeling disconnected, and hoping, hoping to be brought in and held. And uh, and as you're as you're as we're talking about this, I think you know we can kind of wonder, like, well, where am I? Am I securely attached? Am I insecurely attached? And and some general qualities that would help you understand if if uh, you know you're you're somewhere on this continuum because uh, we can maybe wonder like, well, maybe I'm, I'm completely secure. I, I don't worry about these things. And these are little signs that can help you see that maybe there is something happening within you, or maybe you see these within your spouse and you can understand that, okay, this is may, maybe something going on with their sense of attachment. Uh, they, th these qualities can show up as being tired, uh, tired of struggling within relationships. And, uh, and they can really uh, really suffer after like a relationship ends. Uh, they can be really clingy or needy towards uh, their partner, their spouse. They can struggle to regulate negative emotions of any sort, right? When like uh, something negative happens, it, it, they can really spin out. Uh, they don't necessarily know how to reach out and regulate through other people. Uh, they can shut down or push away uh, expressions of intimacy and affection. Uh, they can feel unworthy of love and attention. Uh, they can be fed up with anxiety over whether uh, their partner loves them in return. Uh, they can not really care about relationships, right? Like uh, they can be somewhat ambivalent to relationships. Uh, they have few relationships or uh, they might have many surface relationships, but uh, have few or no close friends and almost uh, the closer a friend gets, the more likely it is for that relationship to end. Um, so, so these are just little signs that can say, "Hey, there's there's something significant within the attachment sphere that could be going on for this person." And and I don't think any one of us are completely 100% secure within our relationships, uh, and and no one is completely insecure. But we we live on this broad spectrum of of insecure versus secure and we all find our way somewhere in between those two things and uh and the nature to which we are insecure within our relationships is going to uh affect the quality of our relationships and we're going to find that we're 
more reactive, more uh, volatile, things like that. Those are the things that can come along with insecure attachment. Um, and, and I really think that this is where the power of understanding attachment comes into work between couples. Because just like that baby uh, with its mother, we, we in relationships are still in a world of confusion. When we as individuals are worried about our care, of our belonging, of our connection, like we still have this little child within us that cries out. And we all have formed ways to cope with this inner child. Uh, some have learned how to kind of pester mom and dad until they get what they need. And others have lashed out and became angry and, and uh, mean and, and done things uh, to receive, you know, that unequivocal love that can only come from a parent. Um, and, and yet others have learned to simply turn off their feelings, to go numb when they can't or don't know how to access the care that they long for. And these styles show up in our marriage. Uh, they, they might look a little bit different, but they kind of have, have the same premise. And when we can see this, we can better approach our spouse who maybe is dysregulated and crying out. We can better show up as that mother or father and work with them to soothe them and help them see and feel that reassurance that you care for them and you love them. We can better understand our own attachment longings through this and, and our own attachment style and how they add confusion into your relationship. When your spouse's inner child cries out, it can flare up our own worries and insecurities that we're not loved, cared for, desired, wanted, and things like that. Or uh, even without our spouse really doing anything, something in our life can, can uh, flare this worry up and we can feel this uh, worry and longing rise up, this, this longing to be close and this longing to be cared for and, and loved and wanted. Uh, and we can move into our attachment longing behaviors. And uh, these attachment longing behaviors, right, can, can be like turning off our feelings, going numb, uh, pestering them, lashing out on them. And these behaviors can leave our spouse worried and confused. And now we can see like this little picture of two little children looking for care and reassurance from each other. And, and uh, in the confusion, they're almost unable to do that. The better that we can see this, now, the better we can cut through the confusion in our relationship and the better we can understand that we don't necessarily have a spouse that doesn't care, but that we're stumbling through this challenging world of relationships. And from here, we can decide to learn how to work together to communicate through the confusion and get back to the connection that we all long for in relationships. I really believe that every single person longs for a secure connection in this world. And, uh, and we can learn how to move out of this intrinsic response pattern that we have, that we've had since childhood, and we can move into a more intentional and a more productive method uh, to invite our spouse into a relationship, to reassure our spouse that uh, we care about them and they matter to us. And this, this new way is really an amazing thing. It forms an environment where a secure attachment can be created. Uh, and, and it's this picture of a little child nestled in its mother's arms. 
uh, of a wife held closely by her husband and a husband who is receiving uh, that proud smile from his wife. These are amazing things. These feel amazing because they help us believe that we have that secure attachment that we long for. We can get there. We just simply have to work through the confusion that shows up when that disconnection takes place at birth. Uh, it's, it's a worthy work. It's a work that uh, I think is possible, and we can all have better relationships together. So I encourage you, I encourage you to look at your relationship, look at yourself, have grace, have curiosity, and, uh, and start to do these things that you can do to move out of this, this uh, intrinsic kind of reactive response and into a more uh, intentional and productive response within your relationships to gain the clarity that is possible there. That is it for today. Have an amazing week, everybody. I will see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. This has been the Fighting for Connection podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want more content like this, check out my Connected Couples Campus, which can be found on my website, www.pivotalapproach.com, and become the difference you need in your relationship. Thank you.